Water-guzzling data centers are being built in the Arizona desert. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last week, heat records in the West were shattered in several states. One day in Tucson, Arizona, it was 100 degrees just after 8 in the morning. Along with the heat, severe drought in the region is increasing the risk of electricity shortages as water levels needed to generate hydropower fall. Some of the largest reservoirs are at historically low levels, and the California Department of Water Resources Resources, which operates eight major hydroelectric facilities, is forecasting they will generate only about 30% of their average power. California's second largest reservoir, Lake Oroville, is expected to fall so low this summer that its hydropower plant will be forced to shut down for the first time since 1967. Low humidity can fuel wildfires, and according to Karen McKinnon, a climate researcher at UCLA, in some places in the West, it can't dry out much more. Her team concluded that since 1950, on the hottest summer days, humidity dropped an average of almost 25 percent in non-coastal areas of the southwest. In California and Nevada, the effect was even more pronounced, with a decrease in humidity of 33 percent. Despite the drought, Mesa, Arizona, east of Phoenix, recently approved a massive new computer data center, which will require over 1 million gallons of water a day to cool. The city is becoming known as Data Center Alley, according to the East Valley Tribune. Data centers are warehouses that contain computers and equipment to store information, like photos and documents, in what we commonly call the cloud. A study published last month shows that data centers require large amounts of water and electricity. However, they create few jobs, and as NBC reports, many operators are drawn to water-starved regions in the West, in part due to the availability of solar and wind energy. Google is already building Mesa's largest data center, which will consume 1 million gallons a day to start, and is allowed to increase that to 4 million as the site builds out. Other regions of the U.S. are also facing dry conditions, with Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan all experiencing some level of drought. Conditions in the Dakotas are even worse. One small benefit from the current drought is that mosquito populations are down, such as in Wisconsin, where the lack of rain means there are fewer places with standing water for the critters to lay their eggs. Usually mosquitoes are only a summertime nuisance, but a new study shows that the insects may become a year-round problem. During the cold winter months, the bugs go into a type of hibernation called diapause, in which their activity is limited. But researchers at the University of Florida explain that as climate change makes autumns and winters warmer, mosquitoes could be active for longer periods, potentially spreading disease among humans and animals. When people are prescribed antidepressants, the drugs can help them venture back out into the world, which is a good thing. But should these medications end up in streams or waterways and affect wildlife, going boldly may be deadly. Researchers from the University of Florida recently exposed crayfish, a freshwater crustacean that looks like a lobster, to varying doses of a commonly prescribed antidepressant in the lab. The doses were similar to what would be encountered downstream of a sewage treatment facility, and the scientists found that 
Once medicated, the crayfish spent significantly more time foraging for food and less time hiding, a behavior that could make them more vulnerable to predators. The result doesn't bode well for aquatic environments because crayfish eat algae, dead plants, and anything else decomposing in the bottom of streams and ponds. If they are getting eaten more often, the authors say it could have a ripple effect in these ecosystems. Drugs get into waterways through various means. We excrete trace amounts of pills in our urine or feces. From there, the chemicals get into the environment through leaky septic systems or from wastewater treatment plants which weren't designed to remove them. Also, people sometimes flush unused drugs down drains, and the researchers say to protect all aquatic life, it's essential consumers dispose of medications properly. And finally, using wind to move boats on the water is ancient, but a recent innovation in sail technology might help to reduce carbon emissions from ships. The Michelin Group, which you might associate with tires or perhaps restaurant guides, has designed a new inflatable sail that can be added to a cargo ship or oil tanker to reduce the amount of fuel they consume and the greenhouse gases they emit. The ruffled white sails shaped like a vertical airplane wing are, intentionally or not, somewhat reminiscent of the chubby Michelin man. At the push of a button, they inflate and rise above the ship's deck on a telescopic mast. The mast can easily retract for a ship to enter a harbor or pass under a bridge, and the company claims that the sail's double-sided surface can even propel the boat upwind. In a promotional video, Michelin says the sail and mast are strong enough to endure stormy conditions and the system operates autonomously, so no sailing experience required. The company says its wing sail mobility project can improve a ship's fuel efficiency by up to 20%. Given that shipping contributes 3% of global carbon emissions, capturing wind energy might put the industry on an even keel towards sustainability. That's it for this week in water. We'll catch you next time.